The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us every week, every time, every place, always here for your ears. I am Chris Perfett. I'm almost perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Joined, as always, with my man, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. How's it going, Jeremy? I'm doing okay. Just okay. Just okay. Find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And I see you're already like making adjustments to the chat. Find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where you can see the replays or watch us live as we do it live after every game. 8 p.m. Eastern when the game is on a Sunday, unless it's Sunday night football. No Ryan here right now, so no one can go, oh, Sunday night, but I'll try. I just try. I'm going to go ahead and say you don't have to worry about another Sunday night football game the rest of the Oh, Sunday night. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about how this one broke down, and already I give it to the first commenter uh, in the chat here, Lions Wow. This, This team is hot garbage. Let's talk draft. And I see the ulcers already forming in Jeremy's stomach. No. (laughs) Not going to do it. I think soon enough, soon enough, it's going to happen if the team keeps playing the way it did today. I like to think, Jeremy, this is almost the inverse of 2016, where there were a lot of close games for the Lions and they just eked out a bunch of them. This feels like there's a lot of close games and the Lions find ways to shoot their foot off every time. It's not perfect, it, I know, but well, yeah, you're not wrong, and and I'm just gonna get into it now because yeah. First off, here, uh, Raiders 31, Detroit Lions 24. Continue, sure. In case you guys didn't realize, but no, yes. no, that's that's uh, no. just good. This good journalism. Yes. You always want to let people know the score. This might be you're just waking up from a 20 year coma, and you want to know, hey, what was the score of uh, this Oakland Raiders Detroit Lions game? I really want to know. But your first stop <laughs> is here, Pride to Detroit. Someone's playing for you in the hospital, so. Okay, 
so so my point, you kind of led it into it perfectly, which is this team isn't all that different from that 2016 team, and that's not a compliment. No, it's that not. Means this team <laughs> it means there's exact- been no progress. No, it means this team is, is, is average. This team is mm-hmm. okay. They're not horrible. They're not great. They're not going to go anywhere playing like this. Um, they're, they're just kind of a middling, middle-of-the-road team, and, and we talked about this plenty of times already. They're going to keep playing in 50-50 games, and they're not going to win a lot of them. They're going to lose about half of them. They've lost about half of them so far. They've won about half of them so far. And I, I know a lot of the focus is going to be on the last play of the game, or the last offensive play of the game, and, and the Lions deciding to take all their skill position players off the field, and yada, 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 and we'll get into that, and, and the coaches and all that sort of stuff. But here's the main thing. Mm-hmm. You think we're going to come December 28th, final game of the season, Lions win or lose against the Packers. Do you think we're going to look back on this game and say, well, if they had chosen the right play, they, they'd be talking playoffs right now? No. Absolutely not. This team is not good enough to, to even be in that conversation. So if you want to get mad about that play, I understand. You want the Lions to win. You always want the Lions to win. And maybe they didn't do everything they could in this game. But in the grand scheme of things, that isn't going to matter because this team is just not good enough to compete on a day, on a week-to-week basis and, and, and compete in, in a meaningful way other than, you know, close losses to okay teams. Because the Raiders are an okay team. I think a lot of people look at this, te- this game and be like, wow, the Lions blew it against a 3-4 and four crappy Raiders team. That's not who the Raiders are. The Raiders are also half a game out of first place right now. Not yeah. to say that that makes them any better than they actually are, but they're an okay team and beating an okay team on the road, especially on a West coast trip, not easy, but this Lions team is so flawed and, and so mediocre that I'm not bumming that much about one play call because it's not going to make or break this team season. This team season was essentially over the moment they lost to like Jeez. green. The, this, the moment they lost to green Bay, the season was kind of over and then yeah. it was dead. It was extremely dead once they lost to the Vikings. And now, I mean, no one here is, is dreaming of any playoff scenarios at this point. And, and that's sad to say, but it, it's not because of one bad play call. Yeah, That's a few a few fair. thoughts here. First off, in case you missed the first bite podcast we did with Raiders color commentator Lincoln Kennedy, who I heard on this call advising Brett Brett Musburger at the end of this game was like, "Oh, the Raiders they should just run out of the back of the end zone for a safety to end this game safely." And Kennedy had to remind him, uh, "There's people in Vegas who have been very mad if the Raiders had done that." So keeping Brett on track, but you know, we had taught in case you missed our first bite with Lincoln Kennedy, a, the Raiders were top 10 coming into this game in both in offensive DVOA in both passing and rushing. This isn't 2018 Raiders at all. Like they're a yep. decent team. They're a flawed team. Their defense is hot garbage, much like the lions. But I think I said, we said it there, like the lions and the Raiders it's the two teams are extremely similar, except one has a better offensive line and a ground game. And that team's the Raiders. Yep. So that's how this game pretty much played out. Um, just to go back, I don't think anyone is really looking at this game and saying, oh, if we had just held on against the Raiders, the Lions go to the playoffs. But it's just, it's, it is the cascade of everything else that's happened so far in the season. And I think at this point, it is now statistical where it's like, okay, great. You had a chance, maybe after three losses, you could handle your business gets get right for the second half and start heading out because we still have like a full half schedule half season of football to play the lions are have only played eight games and it just it feels like it's over already and it probably is as you look at the rest of the schedule and unless you just 
run the table or something, which isn't going to happen with this team. It would take a miraculous turnaround for this team to go anywhere. It is, as you say, Jeremy, it feels like the season came crashing down here. It was on the thinnest of margins after that three-game losing streak, which, again, is crazy to think about because we only are talking about the first half of football. But... Yeah, like even if the Lions have been winning this season, Jeremy, there was nothing in the first four games that made me think, oh, yeah, this team can win a playoff game. It's not just enough for the Lions to go to the to go to the playoffs. They, when they go to the playoffs, they have to win that game. And they didn't look good. In, they, they looked good enough this season to maybe make the playoffs, but not to win a game. Well, and that's kind I of mean, useless for me. If we're being completely honest, right. all of the problems that we saw in week one are still here. Yep. That that's the most concerning thing to me because yeah, last no, year we, there's been no adjustments and the sh- roster's just gotten worse. Yeah, last year we saw improvement, and granted, it happened right around this time of year, like last eight games of the season or so when snacks was added. I mean, look at what happened in that game. The Lions couldn't close out because they didn't have a running game. The Lions secondary blew it on a bunch of big plays against the Cardinals, and and why? Because they didn't have a pass rush. Now. I think things have only really gotten worse since then. I mean, you, you look at the next few games, the Lions' past defense at least started to get going. You know, we, we saw Rashawn Melvin make plays. We saw Justin Coleman make plays. We started thinking, hey, maybe this defense can at least stop, stop the pass. It's kind of weird that they can't stop the run, but surely they'll get better at that. And now everything has gotten worse. Past def- it, it, to me, it seems like opposing offenses have the Lions' defense figured out, and the Lions' defense has no response for it. They really don't. They, they know they can run the ball against this team. They know how to run the ball against this team. And that has opened up so many passing avenues that this team has now made three straight quarterbacks look like all pros. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not. Kirk Cousins is having a hell of a year, sure, but he's not an all pro. Uh, Derek Carr also having a pretty good year, not an all pro. And then Daniel Jones, definitely not an all pro. But this defense has just completely collapsed in the last three games. And, and for it to only get worse under a defensive minded head coach, um, very, very, very concerning. And you can only blame injuries for so much. And, and sure, the Lions to have a couple of big injuries in this game. I think they definitely felt the loss of Tracy Walker more than maybe anyone else that wasn't playing in this game. Deshaun Hand left for a good portion of the game, but, but came back. Um, Sean Robinson clearly wasn't a hundred percent in this game either. But I'm sorry, like I, I, I'm not using the injury excuse. I refuse to use the injury ex- excuse because everyone is going through it. Everyone is going through it, and the fact that this defense is only getting worse and worse and worse and worse, that should be really concerning. And and there's, I mean, there's no end in sight right now. Right. Let me give let me give the folks listening to us live right now and on the podcast the rundown what's going to happen. So next segment. I do want to talk a little bit more about that final play in the third segment. I think the question is, what does the f- immediate future hold for the Lions as we go into a second half of the NFL season, a second half that already feels like you're just playing the waiting game for the season to end, <laughs> where if you could simulate rest of the season, you would, which is a, a story I'm really tired of hearing about with the Lions, but it's true. But just to bring it back to this game and how the Lions performed in this game, uh, Jeremy, you alluded to it. Derek Carr looked good on the day. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 120 yards for himself. Jalen Richard, uh, this this was a thing too. Hunter Renfro probably had the better day, but Jalen Richard 
near the end of that game had like three immaculate throws come his way that the Lions just could not stop. And winning drive. What, yeah. Two big catches and a couple rushes. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And the Lions, I mean, I think, again, we talked with, we talked with uh, Kennedy about this. This would be a high-scoring game. And it's it's one of these games where the Lions are trying to keep pace with their opponent. It it was back and forth for a lot of this game. The Lions and the Raiders trading leads, uh, keeping within a touchdown of each other. And it's just, in the end, small mistakes was enough to just do them in. It was Stafford's interception, which honestly, like I, w- I can't even be mad at that interception because... Uh, who was it that picked it off? It was, um, excuse me, as I look this up again, it was uh, Worley. Worley picked it off. Like it, that was immaculate. I really can't be mad about that. But I mean, the Raiders did not play a great game either. They turned it over on downs a couple times. They missed a field goal. Um, this was a game the Lions were just in a scrap fight for, and you just didn't have great play callers. Um, you just. You had great days out of Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, both over 120 yards for today. And somehow that's still not enough for you. You have Stafford throwing for his life, and yet on the ground, combined rushing, only 90 yards. And we said that during the the talk with Kennedy. We said that the difference is the Lions don't have a ground game. And look what hurt them here. It was the ground game. It was the defense Stafford played very well this game, but at the same time, you can't keep putting this on Stafford all the time. He is not your save yourself in every scenario type of player. And after a while, he just he got worn down to a bloody stump. And again, we'll talk about the play calling of that final drive because oh my god, oh my god. But I just unpacking this game hurts because it is the same things as you said Jeremy it's the same things we've been talking about the Lions all season it's the same troubles we've had watching the Lions flail about on defense that final play where um that final play when the when the uh, Raiders finally went ahead Derek Carr's touchdown like they're playing zone in a reds in the red zone with no pressure on Derek Carr whatsoever and i just at this point i feel like Every time we bring up that Matt Patricia is a defensive-minded coach, it's becoming a meme. It's becoming a meme to make fun of just how bad the Lions' defense is, and has and has been pointed out to me on Twitter as people pointed out to me, like this is now the roster that Quinn and Patricia have concocted for the defense, and untangling it from this is what we're going to talk about in the third segment because there's no easy exit from this right now. This is this is the this is what you have. There's no clear cut like maybe Patricia does what he does last year where all of a sudden there's adjustments in the second half of the season for one reason or another that gives people more hope, but I would say don't buy into that at this point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You you see you see the start of these these seasons clear as day. Who are you going to believe, this coach or your lion eyes? Well, okay. There's a bunch of things to to unpack there. One yeah. is like you can't wait until November to make adjustments. First of all, like yeah, that, absolutely not. not. No, but but specifically with this game, I think coaching is going to take a big hit, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Mm. Um, 
one is obviously the, the the last play of the game. Two is their again insistence on on three man rushes in too many situations, not sending a lot a lot of blitzes again in this game, um, not really disguising their pressure like they did last week against the Giants. And yeah, we saw I, the, the the go go ahead touchdown is a perfect example. Though I believe the Lions were, were only sending three, dropping eight into coverage, which. I mean that that can work in red zone situations, but when you're getting when, when Trey Flowers is is on his ass, that's that's not going to work. He, he allowed uh, Derek Carr to escape, create more time, and when he has that much time, like someone is going to find a hole in the zone. It's just how it works. And yeah. you can blame Flowers, you can blame maybe a hold on that play, you can blame Patricia, whatever you want. Um, but the fact is, they're not getting it done. And I, I want to go back to Lions' running game a little bit because if you remember on the first bite podcast, I said this team won't rush for more than fifty yards in this game. They rushed for ninety, ninety, twenty carries on ninety yards. Great, that's actually a really efficient day. Here's the problem, though: fourth quarter, this team is still continuing to try to run the ball, and when the opposing team knows that's what's coming, seven rushes for twenty yards in the in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, less than three yards per carry. That's the that's that is the absolute key to this team's failures on offense, and it's why they keep struggling in the second half of the game. Only ten points uh, in in this second half of this game after you know coming out hot yet again. Um, when the team is in obvious run posi- you know running situations, they're not succeeding, and that's a sign of bad open line play. That's a sign of bad running backs. It's a sign of you can't really run the ball. The only times that you can run the ball is when you catch people off guard, and this team is insistent on running the ball in the second half. We know that. And and you can hate it all you want. Maybe you do hate it all you want. But that's what they're going to do in the second half. They're going to run the ball. And if they can't do it in the run, you know, either with a lead or in whatever situations, they're going to find themselves in a lot of third and eights. They're going to find themselves in a lot of third and tens. Then opposing teams are going to pin back their ears. They're going to pressure Stafford, and Stafford's going to have to release the ball. That's why he wasn't as good in the second half. He was, he was still pretty good. I mean, his fourth quarter, 9 of 16 for 141 yards and one touchdown. That's pretty darn good. He did everything he you asked for him in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But right. like, I, I think I think when you ask Stafford to help you in the fourth quarter, you don't put him in a bad position like, hey, we're going to run twice and then on a third, third and long, please save us. Like, right. You can't, that, you can't do that every time. That's why they, it's a miracle that they even won last week because mm. they had so many third and eight and, or mores and Matthew Stafford you know, just bailed them out time after time after time. You knew it was going to catch up to them some at some point, and and it did today. They they weren't horrible on third down. I think they were three three for seven, which is about average for for any team. That's what Oakland was. Yeah, and listen, like Stafford did make some mistakes here. Stafford did make some mistakes here. Mistakes here. I think every quarterback ends up making mistakes. It's it's very hard to find the guy who's completely perfect. And I think some of those mistakes is going to get Stafford killed a little bit after this game. And I'm not going to come out here and defend him because he made those mistakes. But at the same time, it's about putting your it's it's the old Mike Valenti ran, right? It's it's about putting your players in positions to succeed. And this coaching staff on its play calling is not doing him any favors when instead of giving him three chances to convert, he only gives him one. All right, like I just and it's it, it it's so disappointing me. on on a day in which they start by being aggressive, right? They go for it on fourth and goal. A day when you convert. are getting a, like almost two hundred and fifty yards from two receivers alone. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones were on fire today. Yeah, and, and I mean, I 
I hear everyone that's like, why don't they just throw on first and second down and just abandon the running game? Because this is what's working. That's not exactly how the the NFL works. And I mean, that's a good way to get your quarterback killed if throwing it for 40 times a game. I mean, we've he did. He did throw it 40 times in this game anyways, but no, uh, but I mean, I, like I, in the late in the late game scenarios, you've already run a few times, but then like sure. start passing more. I don't know. It, it, it. I don't think we need to overthink this thing here, Jeremy. Maybe, but I mean, how many times have we done this before in like t- between 2011 and 2016, like before Jim Caldwell got here? How often was it just throw it every time Matthew Stafford and that didn't work either? Like this is the most successful this offense has been in a long time. And it sucks that it's struggling in the second half. It sucks that there's no running game, but it's actually working for the most part. Is yeah. it not? No, I, I agree with you. And I think I think we just we end up, I think, focusing on the offense because I think that is a lot more interesting to talk about breaking down this Lions offense. Because if we just focus on this defense, Jeremy, we're just going to be taking Kids to the woodshed all day long. <laughs> right, there's like, nothing good to like, say about the there's defense. There's nothing, and that's that, like let's be clear about this to our to our audience who is now who's with me as they start screaming about yeah let's just stop doing run run pass and John Whitaker somewhere is is seething because he hates the run run pass so much too. Uh, hi John, but at this but yeah I, as as I just said Jeremy like the real story is that. This offense is decent, but you can't just be decent on offense when your defense is so bad, so bad, so damn bad. Like, when was the first time there was a punt in this game? It was the third. It was like the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter for the Raiders. They they lined up in punt formation in the third quarter, but they they ran that fake punt. I don't I believe they didn't. Right. Yeah. 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 It was it was uh, it was like a couple minutes into the fourth quarter when they finally punted. And just when you thought like the defense was like, okay, they finally got their footing. They got two straight three and outs and, and they had a three and out and the fake punt as well. Like, okay, they're finally getting their footing. Mm-hmm. Lions go, they score the game tying score with, with five minutes left or whatever. And then the, and then the car defense marches down the field. Up. Yeah, easily. Like three plays, they're already first and goal. And then Lions can't get the stop on third and goal. And yeah, as I said, Jalen, Jalen Richard coming out of your yeah. nightmares like, like Freddie and just stabbing you in the face. And and the problem with the defense is so I mean it's everything it's coaching it's defensive line it's linebackers it's secondary it's especially linebackers it's but especially I, linebackers I mean the, the the problem I have is is just like you know your parts at this point you're for some reason you're extending some of those linebackers I don't know if we're going to get into that in this podcast we, or not but we, I think late we can we can yeah why um, but you you know the parts you know your three man rushes aren't working. You know, your four man rushes aren't working. You have to, you have to take a risk at this point because just sitting back on your thumbs and just waiting for, to get bludgeoned to death by a passing attack that can just sit in the pocket forever and find the holes against your secondary. That's put in a horrible, like I still believe the lines have a talent at secondary, mm-hmm. but they're put, I mean, they're putting the Matthew Stafford situation. Yeah, where once they again, you can't everything. save the day every day. Yes. And it sucks because we haven't seen like the the first four weeks of the season, they were getting all these pass breakups. They were getting all these interceptions. We're not seeing it anymore because teams are figuring them out because teams have figured out, let me just have my quarterback sit back here forever. Eventually these crossing routes are going to free up somebody because that's how the NFL works today. And, and then we're just going to bleed them to death. 
And and so that's the coaching aspect of it. The the player aspect is, is is this defensive line isn't anywhere near where we thought it was. The linebacking core can't tackle, can't run defend, can't coverage, uh, can't I mean, I don't what can the linebackers do? I don't know. Like the only thing the linebackers can do right now is Jared Davis can wait a second and then blitz pretty effectively. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, we're overdue for a break. I want to take a break here. I want to chat it up a little bit with our Twitch audience. I know because of the late start, you're kind of busy needing to do managerial stuff. So we're not going to have a ton of time to talk with Twitch chat tonight, but we are going to take a break here. We're going to come back on the podcast side. I put out a poll on Twitter asking about that final play, and I want to give a little time to talk about that. That final play is not the entire game, and I think some people are yelling at me because because of that. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It wasn't the, fin- the, the entire game, but it's a fascinating microcosm in which we can talk about the larger issues in some of these red zone scenarios. I want to talk about the results of that poll and what people were saying to me when we come back. And we'll talk about some people who stood out for better or worse from this game. And then the third segment, I think it's going to start looking towards the future, Jeremy. I mean, we're going to talk about those linebackers that were extended. We're going to talk about whatever the future may hold, and uh, we'll get some mailbag questions in there. Pride of Detroit PODcast here to soothe your balm or soothe your wounds or whatever the, the phrase is. I'm terrible with this stuff. We're taking a break. That's, that's what matters. We're taking the break right now. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, where we are now joined by Ryan Matthews, the rock god here at Ryan underscore POD. He doesn't get the drop when he comes in late. I know he's been battling his internet, Punished. but punish anyway. How's it going, Ryan? Okay, if you're going to punish me, you need to be punishing Comcast because they are the bane of my existence this not a weekend. Sponsor. <laughs> no, no, not a friend, not a friend of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to. I want to do this. I've gotten about two thousand votes on this now, and I think the voting is pretty much solidified. I should have just put it up for a couple hours. I put it up for twenty four hours. You can still go vo- vote for it at Crisper Fett. But right now, as we were recording, nineteen hundred votes, and I asked people on that final play, fourth and uh, what was that? Fourth and ten, Jeremy. Or just it was just a fourth and goal. goal. But how many yards was it to go? No, Um, it was like the one. It was the one. Yeah, yeah. It was fourth down, one yard line, fourth and goal um, to win the game. I mean, to tie, to potentially get the touchdown, you'd be behind one point with no time left. And I asked Lions fans this on Twitter in a poll. And I know I hate playing the what if sometime. But the Lions had scored on that final play what would Lions fans have preferred to happen and what play do you trust more? Do you kick the point after and just try to win it in overtime? Or do you just say, damn the torpedoes, we 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 rise or we die here and go for two? I voted in this poll. Okay, well, we'll talk about your answer in a second. So 57% said go for two in the kill. 43% said kick the PAT and try to win in overtime. That's about what I expected from people. I think most 
fans across the league have warmed up to the idea of the two-point conversion as a point of philosophy. I just want, I'm just fascinated by this question. I wanted to pull people and talk about this for a while because I think there are big disconnects between what Lions fans think is smart football in this certain scenario, what what Lions fans trust the Lions to do in, to, to, to succeed in that spot, knowing the way the Lions have played the entire game, what do you trust to be the way they will win the game the better of the which way has the better probability for the way the Lions have been playing I should say and then what do you think the Lions would have actually done knowing what this coaching staff tends to do those are three separate answers I only had one poll but I am curious how we break this down and again 57% said you should go for two and the kill. Uh, Ryan, you voted in this, so I, I'll, I'll open this up to you first because I just laid out three different dimensions to this question, and I'm curious your thoughts uh, on what could have happened if the Lions had scored six. Yeah, I think if the Lions would have scored six, I almost undoubtedly believe that Matt Patricia would kick the extra point. I think everything about him seems like such a traditionalist that he would have he would have taken the easy route. I mean, look no further than that punt that netted the Lions 19 whopping yards to, you know, to just serve as evidence to how conservative Patricia is. So I think that the Lions, what they would have done is they would have kicked the extra point to send the game to, to overtime. Uh, I voted in this poll, like I, like I mentioned earlier, and I said that the Lions should go for two at that point. They've come all the way back. The only way that they're going to win that game is with their offense. So they they might as well put them back out on the field to try to win them the play on one more or win the game on one more play rather than having to take this game to overtime. It's a West Coast game. There's all these other mitigating factors in terms of their performance and things like that. They're banged up. Joe Dahl's out of the game. I mean, at that point, I think the Lions offense should try to play for play for two rather than play for one. I don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? Well, I hate to be super negative, but I think the Lions lose the game either way. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, I'm saying like, let's. No, 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 no. Yeah, but yeah, let, yeah. let me finish my point. Yeah, yeah. We're talking probabilities here. Yeah, but yes, go on. No, no. And, and I understand that. I personally, I would go for it almost all the time just because I feel like, especially on the road, blah, 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 whatever. We, we've had this discussion a million times over about going for two at the end of games. But this team is not a good red zone team. This team is one-dimensional in the red zone. This team cannot run the ball in the red zone. This team, in a goal-to-go situation, should never run the ball, and they know it. Well, The problem is they seem to think that they can convince other teams that they can run the ball. They seem to think they, they have like a body dysmorphia that they're this big, heavy run team. And if they bring in all these heavy guys, everyone's going to be like, ooh, this, this Lions running team is going to be able to run the ball and pound the rock. Have you seen this team in goal line situations? Do you remember the Green Bay game where uh, uh, I almost said Amir Abdullah? Carry uh, on Johnson had like three straight rushes at the goal line. Didn't make it in on any of them. But for some reason, the, the official said they did on the last one. He didn't. Who cares? No one. Let's get mad the rest yeah. later in the game. Whatever. Uh, so they, they, I mean, the, the, that's why everyone I think is mad about the, the play that they did choose, which is this play action play, which the Raiders played perfectly because it's the exact same thing that happened in what was it two weeks ago when the Lions had a fourth and two, they pulled another play action play, defense played it perfectly and it didn't work. The seems seems to think they're, they're they're really good in the red zone, they're really good in short yarded situations at running the ball. I have zero confidence in them 
making the right decision on a on a you know nope, period. You can end it there. Yeah, we'll you can end it there. I, I this, this, team, this team, this <laughs> team, then a potential two point conversion. I have no confidence that they'll make the right choice, whether it's play call, whether it's personnel, or whether it's just execution. This isn't a good red zone offense. This isn't a good short yardage offense. So I think they lose if they go for it, and they certainly lose if they they kick the extra point because we all saw what that t- offense was doing. I mean. I mean, if that game goes into overtime, the Raiders win the toss. The game's over, right? Right. Yeah, but, but what's what's most frustrating, real quick, Chris, I'll let you yeah, get to yeah. your point, but yeah. what's most frustrating about Jeremy's point about personnel is that on paper, the Lions have what would look to be a really good red zone offense, having like big receivers like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and a shifty guy like Danny Amendola and, I don't know, six foot five TJ Hawkinson, six foot whatever Logan Thomas. I mean, whether or not you liked, you know, throwing the ball to him on the very last play of the game and the type of personnel they had in there, it's like, when is the coaching going to rise to the, the talent level? I think Jeremy nailed it when he was talking about this team thinks it's more clever than it actually is. It's it's this team is like Charles Barkley thinking that he can uh, sneak around like Solid Snake. That's what this is. That's a reference I don't think a lot of people are going to get, but I'm going with it anyway. It is a seven foot, three hundred plus pound man thinking he's stealthy, and they're not fooling anyone right now. So. So, okay, so I guess breaking it down then. So I think you guys, I think we, we were all in agreement. Like, we would have liked to see the Lions try to go for two. But knowing what they have available to them, what is the answer there? Uh, for Jeremy, I think it's like, what, you you kick the extra point? I mean, I don't, damned if you do, damned if no, you don't. Give me an I answer. Mean, I, 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 gun to your head. I think you still go for two just because okay. philosophically that that's the best way, okay. best chance. I, I trust this team to maybe throw together one good offensive play rather than defensively do okay. anything okay. in overtime. Ryan, what, what would you, what would you say to that second question? Like, what do you, knowing how the Lions are playing in this game, uh, what do you trust the Lions to do there? Oh, I trust them to put maybe their, their best player in a situation to, to make two the best or, play. Two or a kick. It's an, it's an, easy, it's an either or question. The kick. <laughs> okay, the kick. And now I ask you, what do you think the Lions coaching staff in a bubble, not listening to any of the braying hordes, what do you expect the coaching staff would have done if they scored six? They would have honestly, kicked it. Have kicked honestly, it? I'm not that convinced. I okay. am. They, this is a team that went for it on fourth and, and goal from the three earlier in the game. And I, I think it's kind of become a, a coaching convention. Like this is the one time that NFL coaches have collectively decided that it's okay to, to be risky and, and go for a two point conversion at the end of the game on, a, on the road. Like this is the one thing where like you'll even see the most, the Jim Caldwelliest of Jim Caldwell's <laughs> potentially go for two here. Yeah, and so I, I think there's a chance that the Lions would have gone for two. I, I'm not that confident that they would have, but I'm. I, I think it's like rather than everyone being so certain, like 90 to 10 percent, that they would kick the extra point. I'm more like 55, 45. So I want to st- still leaning. They would uh, kick yeah. it. I want to read some mm. answers from people in my mentions about this. This is from Rational Lions fan. If they had hit one of those long passes for a touchdown, I might think about the two, but they weren't going to fool them twice on the goal line. Better play it safe. Uh, Zach Snyder, not the director, Zach Snyder, our friend Zach Snyder, says he can't trust a good two-point play there. 
Um, a lot of other people saying two and the kill, just again, stating what we know about two point conversions. Now, uh, Detroit versus uh, 32 would have failed either way, obviously. Um, Scott Barlow, our friend, it's so much the final play that bugged me. It's the defense that laid down the whole game, couldn't stop, run, or pass. Um, a lot of people saying, who cares? They didn't score anyway. Like, yeah, thanks. I know that. I know that. This is a hypothetical, and it has two answers. <laughs> Just asking people to do simple things sometimes. Um uh, I like this one from Lions and Bees. Galladay back corner, but I'm also not sure why Stafford cut back inside when running. Do you go for the corner? Not really a lot of good angles on the red zone. It's it's an impossible situation, but I think as we've been talking about, I think, Jeremy, you said it right. Like The Lions think they're a good red zone team, but they're really not. But on the flip side, if it goes for overtime, I don't know if you can trust the defense. I mean, if you were to like pull yourself uh, like and be completely objective and watch every NFL team and watch what they do in the red zone and watch some of these teams dominate the line of scrimmage and run balls in. I mean, how many red zone rushing touchdowns, how many rushing touchdowns period do the Lions have this year? I feel like it can't be more than five. It's it's what? It's two. The Lions have two rushing touchdowns on the season. The fact that they can't run, the fact that they can't dominate the trenches is killing this offense. I have to say it over and over again every single week. Things would be so much easier for this team if they could run the ball in the red zone. So much easier. They'd be such an effective team. They'd be one of the best offenses in the entire league if they could run in short yardage situations, but they can't. And that's why you should have no confidence in this team going for two at the end of that game. No, because I teams agree. are going to sell out. Teams are not going to have to load the box. They're not going to be fooled by play action. And if you go, if you spread them wide, you're still kind of, you're, you're one, you're putting Matthew Stafford in a heck of a situation of, of potentially getting sacked. Two, you're probably relying on a jump ball, which granted you have some good guys that are pretty good at that, but you're still talking 50-50 balls at best. Things would just be so much easier if the team can run the ball, and they can't, and they won't be able to for the rest of the year because they don't have a good running back. They don't have a consistent offensive line. And, uh, I mean, their offensive line coach has has not had a very good track record either. So the, the chances of, of the offensive line performance getting better throughout the season? Sorry, Jeff Davidson. <laughs> the numbers are not in your favor. Numbers never lie. It's just I, I'm just fascinated by this because I think it, it extrapolates – the current conundrum for the Lions sitting here, which is that you know you can't trust the defense, but there are so many hard flaws on the offense that asking for a winning scenario out of this feels like a very hard calculation to make. Because again... It's that yeah, Star what? Trek thing. What's it called? Star Trek thing? The something Maru. Oh, Kobayashi no, 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 Maru? No. It's a Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, there there like, is no scenario after the Lions score that touchdown in which just, you can succeed. Just the just the acceptance of failure and how go you ahead, deal you with have, failure. You have to go down with the ship with honor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this sucks. This all sucks so much. <laughs> this sucks so much to think about, man. You hit me dead on with Kobayashi Maru too, man. I knew you would know it. I'd go back. I'm going to go back and watch Wrath of Khan tonight. I think I think I've figured out what's going to cheer me up after this game. What's worse, watching the Lions lose to the Raiders or get one of those ear, like earbugs put in your oh, ear? Oh God! 
I, I have a thing about ears and eyes. Like I, I keep things away from all of those. Like yeah, the little brain, the little brain slug things. Not entirely domesticated. You could say the same about Matt Patricia. I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> Did I just get too nerdy for you, Ryan? No, I don't think so. I just have no idea what's going on. Okay. I don't know. We're killing time is what's going on. Is it time to go? Yeah, we've been, we've been talk talking about, about this for 15 minutes. Is there anything else you want to talk about from this game? Is there any player that stood out in this game to you? Like, I... I we talked about. I think we talked about this in Slack, Jeremy. This is always hard doing game balls after a loss because the answer from a lot of commenters is always nobody should nobody. get game ball. They lost, but I mean, <laughs> and then I have to remind people that we're not actually like FedExing a ball to any of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, I, I, yeah. I want to give them a little bit of praise because, like, if you can keep both these guys around for the future, that's good, man. And the it, only thing it's we kind of like a, a, a yeah. push pull with them though too, right? Because right. they're making these phenomenal catches and, and, and highlight reel type of plays, but they're also not getting very open and you yeah. like to see a little more. You look at NFL next gen stats, those guys, both Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are in the bottom 10 in terms of separation. Yeah. Which and is why that, they make the circus catches. Right. They have to, because they have to, and it's great that they do, but at the same time, mm. it's just, can't you just get open like a little bit? I'd yeah, be maybe. I'd be interested I'd be interested to see the numbers of bigger receivers like them. Yeah. Who Probably are able good. to create separation. Because they but, can do it in they can do it in different ways, right? Just by right. like their sheer height and size. Like if Matthew Stafford throws that interception in the end zone a little bit differently, you know, that's that's Kenny Galladay's ball to lose. Right, true. But I mean, so, that also kind of goes to the point of him not getting enough separation. Like Stafford has to throw a perfect ball there for him to even have a chance. And and Stafford's ball was far from perfect. It was it was too mm-hmm. inside, probably not th- enough towards the end zone or the the sideline. But um, mm-hmm. not he's not given a lot to work with there. I would also here. say here real quick that we probably have the biggest breakthrough is that we have the quote up on the screen for everyone to know. Baby Tron is not appreciated anymore. Find a different nickname. Never. Sorry, never man, sir. Um, I thought Trey Flowers had a really good game too. Like, if there are any highlights of the of the defense, I mean, I think that he was one guy who I consistently saw like creating like some sense of pressure from his side. He, he eventually got the sack, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I know that you know Lions pass rush and yeah, like that that word in and of itself seems like an oxymoron. But um, two tackles were lost on the day, three total tackles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did get put on yeah. his ass a couple times too, but. Again, like I, I didn't, I didn't understand why Chris Spielman kept on saying that this was Snacks Harrison's best game of the season. Do we, so far. Do we all understand? What, on, can we? Do we it, all understand what's going on in Chris Spielman's head some some days no, though? Never, like, never. But some people still worship the the ground that guy like walks I, on. Which there was some point. Horrible. There was some He's point. Not as bad as I get mad at him. There for was. Some time, uh, like, when did I send this to the to the uh, Slack chat? Yeah. 1.39 p.m. Pacific, 4.39. I don't remember what quarter that was, but I just sent what the bleep is Spielman talking about. If this is part of the drinking game, I'm going to take a shot now. Yeah, that was the whole Dr. Feelgood rant. Yes, that it was the Dr. Was, Feel, him yeah. talking about Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> I missed the start of it. I Yeah, no, I don't know. He's, you know, you said earlier that the the team is always more entertaining if they give you an A or an F. And I think Chris Spielman is the perfect example of that because he either gives you an A or an F 
pretty much any time he opens his mouth. Yep. And it does help yeah. me with these broadcasts. It, it, it really does. It really does. So, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I've got a couple old mailbag questions. I'm not going to play the mailbag music, but I want to talk about them a little bit. And then I think the question is, where do the Lions go from here? It's, we still have a half of the football season to play, two full months of football to play. And we need to figure out where the Lions go from here because it feels like it's a pretty useless second half and the story has already been written on the 2019 Lions unless miracles happen. I don't want I don't want the the, the Kool-Aid slappies coming back and being like you doubted this team like dude most rational people not SOL people are like wow this is I don't know what to do with this. So we'll figure this out here. Coming right back after a quick break here on the Pride of Detroit. POD cast. Don't go nowhere. Pride of Detroit POD cast in the home stretch here as we wrap up after another Lions loss. This time's the Raiders. Thankfully for the Lions, the last time they will ever lose in Oakland. Until they come back again. They're not coming back from Vegas. <laughs> I, I see that glint in the Raiders' eyes. It, it's that glint when you know a man is like, I'm going to Vegas. Okay, what's next? Nothing. They're going to Vegas and they're not leaving. <laughs> There's a certain degenerate in this life, Jeremy. There's a certain derelict that goes to Vegas and becomes part of Vegas. The Raiders are about to become part of Vegas. If they leave Vegas, they'll come to LA, where they should have gone originally, to be honest. Sure. All right. Uh, I've got some questions here, but I guess the big question is, as we sit here, is where do we go from here? Where do we go from here with the Lions? I've been having questions building up over the past few weeks because we've been playing Why You Lion and not really taking questions. Ask, hashtag AskPOD has been building up uh, with stuff. Ooh. So I'll get to a few of them, but at the same time, like, I guess the question is, is how do you extract yourself from this current situation? And can this current situation be solved with the current coaching and front office staff? And it's a crazy thing to be talking about only two years in Matt Patricia's reign here. Although Bob Quinn's been around for a few years longer than that. Ryan, you have your hand up like this is eighth grade. What is it? I have I have a fun game that we could play. Okay. It might not be great to play it now, but I think that like within like now or the next week, we play a game where we take a look at both sides of the ball, offense and defense, and we say, is this player going to be with the team next year because i think that there could be like big Ooh, changes that's a grim game to play but you're absolutely but right it, like, it, i, I it, need to pull it, up some spot track stuff but yeah go on this is what i mean though at this point in the season if you truly believe that the lions are on their way out and they are on their way to having an unsuccessful season which is anything but making the playoffs like start taking inventory of the team who do you think is going to stick around Hopefully it's not Christian Jones. Hopefully whatever contract <laughs> he signed, hopefully whatever contract they signed him to is they can get out of it at the end of the season. Yeah. Can we, when first come, off, when news, they, new side of yeah. things. Can we talk real quick? Uh, Jeremy, what was the details in the Christian Jones contract he signed here? There aren't any. Um, oh, okay, I, I think, yeah, it's two years, two additional two, years. So two now year he signed extension. through 2021. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, but I think this lead, I mean, we probably shouldn't jump into to everything because what, 
Ryan, the idea of Ryan's pitching is a good like yeah. one or two segment thing. But let, let's start with the linebackers right now and just just talk about some tough conversations that this team is going to have because obviously the extension of Christian Jones shows that they have faith in him. Without the numbers, we don't know if it's as a starter or as a veteran backup. The, the good thing that Christian Jones does bring is versatility. He can play middle, he can play outside, he can play Sam, Will, all that sort of stuff. Can't play him great, but he can play him. He knows them. He knows the defense, all that sort of stuff. That's all but, he should be, though. He should just be a depth player. Hmm. Yeah, and and maybe that's the contract that they gave him. We don't we don't know. I, I yeah. kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Um, but this team eventually is going to have to have a tough conversation about Jared Davis. Yeah, they they just are. And I know this team loves Jared Davis, and I I know for a fact that they they think he's good. <laughs> but I mean, our eyes aren't lying, right? I mean, how many times have we like? talked about him after a post game show and be like, he needs to turn the corner or else he's done. He needs to turn the corner or else he's done. And like, I've, I've avoided the B word for as long as I've possibly can. Mm. But this guy has one more year remaining on his contract. And I don't know how you can justify extending it. And I don't, I mean, I mean, you might need to even have a conversation about next year and whether he needs to be on the team next year. He's not that expensive. He's a 3.5 million cap hit next year, which is next to nothing for, for a starter. But, I mean, how, how, how much time are we going to give Jared Davis to turn it around? How much time are we going to say, well, he's got all the athletic tools. He just needs to put it all together. You know, it's just his second year in this defense. Eventually, he'll get it figured out. Eventually, he'll get his speed under control and, and make the sack. And I don't know. I think we're, what we have is what we have at this point. That's my thought. I, I do too. I mean, I'm only saying this in in defense of the the Lions coaches. I think everyone sees the writing on the wall with Jared Davis. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I and like you, Jeremy. I think I want to stop short of calling him the B word just because I think he's only going to be defined as that because of his draft position. Like, I don't think he's a player who doesn't belong in the league. Like, I think Jared Davis is like a solid linebacker, but like, I just don't think that I don't think he'll ever live up to where he was drafted. And I don't know if this is this, – this isn't even like an Eric Ebron situation, but, like, I, I truly think that Jared Davis is a really, like, specialized guy. Like, yeah. like I don't think that he's, like, an every-down middle linebacker. Like, I just don't think that's who he is, but he was drafted and he was touted as such or, like, had the ability to grow into it. I think by now, would you agree with the assessment that he probably is never going to become that player? I don't think – here's the thing, like – I feel like everyone has the same feeling that I have currently in the back of my mind, which is the moment we let him go, he becomes Kyle Vannoy. <laughs> and it's because that's, I, mean, that's some, I mean, some of the similarities are, are uncanny, right? Like a really athletic dude who's pretty good at rushing the passer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Lions just can't figure out a way to put him in that position at all times because they don't have anyone else. They can't they can't put someone else on the field for first and second down, and they can't even get into enough of obvious passing situations because they're seating too much on the ground, so they can't just unleash him. But you've seen over the past two weeks, they've kind of made him more of a pass rusher, and he's done well at it, but he can't do anything else right, and so he doesn't get those opportunities on third and longs to, to unleash the beast because he's sucking on first and second down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I talk about the offensive line and what's going to happen there? Because, I mean, there's a lot of guys who have expiring yeah. contracts. Kenny Wiggins, he ends after this year. Um, Graham Glasgow, this is his last year on his contract. Uh, 
Ricky Wagner is kind of the big question. He has uh, until 2021, where his cap hit would be, I think it's uh, 2.9 million, Jeremy. That's the, no, that his would be cap the hit's 11.9. 11 nine, a, excuse me. Yes, yeah. his dead cap is 2-9. So, I mean, Ricky Wagner's sticking around. I think Frank Ragnow's yeah. sticking well, around. I mean, because ah. you just can't get rid of him. You can, though. I mean, okay. the, the conversation needs to be had about Rick Wagner. He's not having a good year this no, year. No, but I, I think that's my larger point is, like, once again, how much turnover are we going to see on this offensive line? Because everyone right. except for Frank Ragnow, I see as just being <laughs> off this, like, expendable. Isn't that crazy, though? Hold on. Let's yeah. pause on that for a second yeah. because Bob Quinn made this, like, priority numero uno. His very first draft pick was Taylor Decker. Two rounds later, he took Graham Glasgow. Even later in that draft, he took Joe Dahl. Who and, might be the one who survives the longest, by the way. Well, and, and, since, and since then, though, it's been Frank Ragnow. It's been, you know, going out and signing Ricky Wagner at that point to the highest – um, TJ Lang. The richest, TJ richest Lang, contract yeah, for, right, yeah. for right tackle. TJ Lang. Man, I don't know. He's in, he he's invested more into one unit. I, I don't think you can I don't think you can make an argument that he has invested more into any other unit on this team than the offensive line. And it is absolutely mind blowing that from now to next year, if the only guy remaining was Frank Ragnow, I don't think many Lions fans would be upset about that. It's it's shocking, and and it has to bring into question coaching. It has to bring into question Bob Quinn's, you know, uh, ability as a, as an evaluator. The fact that this offensive line probably needs to get blown up is is extremely disappointing and extremely worrisome. And and I I, just, I mean I don't know what to do about him anymore. Their their pass blocking is okay. I would say maybe even above average to good, but the run blocking it is what this team. I mean. How many times this offseason we said this team's identity is supposed to run the ball and stop the run, and they are nowhere near close to where they have to be in in terms of the run blocking. It's unbelievable how big of a failure this that has been for this team. And there's, I mean, you're right. Like every piece is expendable. It seems at this point, and it's 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 a hell of a hole to be in because we thought this team was finally turning it around there. They're finally spending the resources there. Whereas other, you know, regimes were, were getting flashy line or wide receivers and tight ends and all that sort of stuff. This team was finally doing it right. This team was finally understanding the importance of the trenches, the importance of protecting Matthew Stafford, the importance of giving him a run game for the first time in his GD career. And it hasn't come together. And, and we're finding ourselves in a familiar position where it's just like, okay, well, and it's we need even, to draft every position now. And it's even more line. frustrating because I know we've talked about this off-air, Jeremy, because you know me, I am uh, pass rusher or bust for this draft, but you put the offensive line like that, and of course people are going to come in and tell me, well, actually, we need to fix the offensive line, and I can't really argue against that. I'm just more frustrated than everything that once again it's been five years and here we are back here again still talking about hey we got to fix up the offensive line even as the defense crumbles crumbles all around um real quick chat i see someone was asking hey can we trade like a second or a third for trent williams after what's been going down with with washington and trent williams i don't think I don't think he's he's going to be back in football for long because holy god how the skin how the how Washington has treated him is just mind-numbingly bad. 
Speaking of the deadline, though, can you believe that this team was trying to buy? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. They they need a running they, back. They, they need to. I think they needed a to buy runner, to try to save. Third. They they need to save their bacon. That that's if they if they were buying, it was buying to try to save their bacon. Well, I don't think. And then this kind of speaks to a larger discussion. I don't think Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn are in any danger this year. Not this all. year. No, 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 no. But like it's but next year, I think heads could roll. Depending yeah. and, what and their record thing, is, depending what their record is, at the end of this year is going to determine how much pressure is on them next year. Because I feel but, like if they do start to like, oh, hey, look, we got it turned around in the second half again. We just need a little more time. We can figure it out. Might buy them a little more time. But if it just goes to pieces in the second half. You got no time, man. You got no time. I, I think what's interesting about the guys that they targeted, or at least the guys that we know that they targeted at the deadline, all those guys were players who were on who were under contract at least through next year too, as well. So if they were gonna if they were gonna buy in on anybody, they're gonna buy in on somebody for this year and for subsequent years, whether it was Devonta Freeman or it was Chris Harris Jr. Or it was Rashad, Rashad Penny. Penny. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all these guys are players that are under contract for the foreseeable future. So, I I don't know. I I feel like if you're Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia, you have to be feeling like next season is your season. Like it, it's going to be the make or break season because that's going to be draft number five for Bob Quinn. How much more? How much more time are you going to give him? Yeah, especially I mean, when you, especially when you look at this roster and his draft. This roster is all his guys. There are no Mayhew guys here. There are no Mayhew guys here. Like if this was yeah. college, if this was college, we would stop saying like, you know, we'd be telling the head coach, okay, it's 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 every you, you've recruited all of your guys. You're the guys yep. you recruited when you came in here. They are now upperclassmen. And yeah, and and not not only does he have not only does he have the uh, the fridge stocked with everything that he bought and the cupboards are full with Bob Quinn's purchases, but he he got the chef that he wanted too. Exactly, and, and that's and, and I'm sure Patricia has a say in that in those ingredients as well. Yeah, and I I don't know. I it, it seems like Bob Quinn almost did himself he might've thought he bought himself more time and maybe he did, but had he just gone with maybe going after somebody like Patricia or one of his guys sooner rather than holding on to Caldwell for, you know, an extra year to, to buy himself some more time and say, well, let me, let me, you know, let me stock the fridge and let me get the cupboards filled out before I go and get my own guy. But I don't know it seems like he drafted guys that aren't working in Patricia's system. Like it seems like that, that draft in 2017 is like, those are all players that like just aren't working out for. You don't think T Saber's working out? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what is he so, doing right now. <laughs> so, so how? I, I get. I guess I have two questions, and one yeah. leads to what my my buddy Marvin's saying in the chat. One is how bad does it have to be next year for moves to be made, and two, how much con? Like the question that we ask our fan polls audience every Monday, how confident are you in the direction of this team? How confident are you that Quinn and Patricia with one more year of offseason moves overhauling this roster, hopefully that they can put this team in a positive direction where they're actual contenders next year? I don't see it. I don't see any scenario where they become contenders next year. I I mean, I, I can't think of a scenario either because while the NFC North is really good, I think the Vikings have 
the sustainability to be good in the next season. I think of the Packers, as long as they have Aaron Rodgers, they have that. And as long as the Bears put, I don't know, any other sentient being at quarterback, there's like one. they're gonna no, they're think, gonna they're gonna improve as they, well. So I mean they need to kill off Nagy. Bears are trending down fast. Yeah, I think I think the order right now in the NFC North is what it's gonna be next year's Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears. Like the Bears No. I don't believe yes. it. I think Matt. No, I think yes. Matt. I think Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy is a decent coach. I think that he I has don't. the rawest. I think he has the rawest hand in football right now because they have a quarterback <laughs> that they traded up for. And honestly, I mean, there were Bears fans. <laughs> Robert Mays from the Ringer was like, "If he comes out like this team, like this team is just." They're gone. They're beyond themselves. Like, if they continue to let Mitchell Trubisky be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, they are actively like, you can't you can't tell your team that you're doing everything to have them succeed, and you keep putting him at quarterback. Like those two things do not coalesce with one another. That sounds like a coaching problem. It's not only that, Dude, but it just, you think it's that's a coaching other... problem. Or you think it's a Ryan Pace problem? Listen, I'm know. watching Nagy losing his goddamn mind every time he goes out there and insists on his team trying to kick a, a field goal or something. I know he can't rely on Trubisky, but it seems like he's having a psychotic episode every time he talks mm-hmm. about kicking, and like it just seems like he's creating more problems there. And I just, I don't know what else. Like I have to sit down and look at more of the roster here because like I don't know what else to make about Nagy. Like, but this isn't meant to be about the Bears. It just. It's a nice little tangent. We're going to have some schadenfreude here pretty soon with the Bears because, uh, yikes. Next week, yay. Yeah, next well, week. We get, to, we get to be Mitchell Trubisky's bounce back game. Uh, God, <laughs> no. Does he I mean, start? If, Is he going to start? Yes. Who, who else will the Bears uh, start? Chase Daniel. Daniel. He beat us last year. Here's, Sorry, here's, here's I was going to say, if there's any way for this season to get worse, it's having Mitchell Trubisky throw for 300 yards next week oh and like God. three touchdowns. If that, if that happens, the, then the silver lining there though, is that bears fans get a, a glimmer of like, they get hope back for a week before it all comes crumbling back down again. Well, Just furiously okay, yeah. masturbating yeah. about how Mitch Trubisky can still be the quarterback for the future. If Mitchell Trubisky throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, you're just going to see three different rooms that are just engulfed in flames. <laughs> just <laughs> holding God. this mug here like, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's just fine. Uh, but the one other thing that I'm going to tangentially bring back from the Lions-Raiders game, but also Bears and Chris Spielman on commentary was when Chris Spielman was apparently talking to John Gruden about the Khalil Mack trade. He's like, well, yeah. I just wanted to remind you that, like, we got Josh Jacobs because he was part of the Cleo Mack trade. Like, he was our he was our draft pick that got us Josh Jacobs. And I was like, okay, cool. It's not Khalil Mack. I don't know <laughs> John Gruden's crusade to convince everybody that that the Cleo Mack trade wasn't one of the most one sided trades in football. But Lions, John Gruden, baby, <laughs> just win, baby, just win, baby. I okay. Let's get to some like more raunchy names here because like I mean this is where it could get tougher. Darius Slay. Oh, we're we're still doing this, huh? I just want to throw out a couple more names here, unless unless Listen. you want to really talk about how bad like the NFC North. Like I think why this game sucked today was like the NFC North just fell on its ass all day long yeah. today, and the Lions didn't capitalize. Yeah, 
we would definitely be having a, a very, very different conversation right now. Would we though? Of- like, because I feel like if it, it was a win, it would be like hyper sloppy, and it just would be like, God, yeah. can this team succeed? Like, yeah, sure, like <clears throat> great. This team's in a better position, but oh my God, impending doom might still be at the door. For sure, and I, I, I don't think we we look at this game if they come out with the win as like, wow, they earned that win. They they right. were the better team. There there aren't a lot of situations that that happened in that fourth quarter in which you come out and be like, wow, the Lions were the better team. They, they deserve that tough, gritty road win. I mean, you get it, you'll take it. I mean, we've said it many times, you are what your record are, and the win is a win is a win. But yeah, I mean, ultimately you're right. It, it's it's disappointing on a day in which the, the NFC North crapped the bed. And I thought most of the NFC looked pretty pedestrian. You know, the, the Seahawks barely won in overtime against the, uh, what was it, the Cardinals this week? <laughs> The Buccaneers. No, the Buccaneers. The other red Sorry. team. The other mediocre to crappy red team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like I said, I just, I wanted to keep hope alive for another week. Keep optimism, at least in the discussion. Um, <laughs> because th- this team will play competitively the rest of the way. They won't win a lot, but they'll, they'll be competitive. And mm. I don't know. I guess that's They've got fun. some winnable it's, games it's coming fun. up too. You know, the two Bears games, Thanksgiving uh, against Washington. Washington. Buccaneers, Denver, Broncos. Denver, yeah. Well, the the thing was is going into this week, I thought about you know what over the next three weeks, if the Lions go two and one, then maybe they have a shot. And I don't even think it really mattered that the rest of the NFC North kind of fell flat on the face. It was nice that they all lost and the Lions could have potentially gained a game. But I mean, at this point, you're just looking at wild card teams. Like that's the only way the yeah. Lions are ever gonna make it into the playoffs. So like I actually like had mentioned in the Slack. It probably would have been better if the Bears would have beat the Eagles, to be honest. Yeah, Eagles feel like they've kind of solidified their spot. I, I don't I don't get this. I'm looking at ESPN standings. Cowboys are four and three. Eagles are uh five and four, and yet Eagles no wait, win percentage works out. I'm just dumb at math, my yep. bad. <laughs> Howdy, uh, yada, yada. But if, you, if you want to go back to Slay real quick before we, we close things no, out. No, we don't here. we don't need to. We can we can save, we'll save Slay for, for another time. Like because again, okay. we, we have two months of this <laughs> this this would be a really good game to play next week especially if the lions losing it lit up by trubisky because yeah. it'll be really fun to get in here and, and walk away with with one remaining player out of 22 and it's matthew stafford <laughs> and it's only if, because you just can't get rid of him at this point either like i feel like for his sake we have to send stafford off somewhere so he can be free but it's not going to happen if the Lions lose to the Bears next week and Trubisky throws, throws for over 300 and a passer rating of 100. We're playing Fortnite. Okay. All, all the stream. Eight, eight o'clock, we're just playing Fortnite. I'll play Apex too, sure. Just, I, I, I have a download. Like, we're not, whatever we're, game, we're whatever. Just gonna, <laughs> we're just going to pivot to video games. Pivot to Twitch. <laughs> Full pivot to Twitch. Uh, you know, Gathalian just left Twitch as well. Everyone's going to Mixer yeah, we, now. We're going. We, to, we might move to Mixer. <laughs> we might move to Mixer. <laughs> we got to make. We were just. We got to make big changes this off season. Mm-hmm. Overhaul the offensive line. Overhaul our Twitch channel. Just pure Madden. Pure Madden. I'll, I'll, I'll start pure. playing more Madden. I I know some guys who do Madden esports. We'll just pivot to esports, man. Pivot to <sighs> see. You know what? Find find some guy who plays Madden and just tell him, look, we will back you the whole way. Just you got to play as the Lions and win. Just win, baby. <laughs> The, the the thing that'll happen is Jeremy will be playing Fortnite, Chris, you'll be playing whatever game you're playing, and, and probably Destiny. I will, 
I will in just true fashion of he who will not be named. I'll just have my camera on my dog just licking its crotch for like <laughs> two hours straight. <laughs> Sad times here in the pride of Detroit as we enter in to the fourth season of all of us losers together. Did you expect this to be the case when, you know, suddenly Sean is looking at you, Jeremy is like, listen, I'm going over and I'm taking care of Michigan. Here's the keys. And here's all these new people you just hired. Did you expect four years in, we would still be just humping this, this bloody stump? 100% yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. Just, just that, just that. Thank you everyone. Download what, what Ryan, what? Can that be our, oh. like our, the POD cast, humping bloody stumps since 2014 or 2015. I don't want it to be. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, that is a terrible <laughs> turn of phrase. Why did I say that? Nope, it's 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 canon now. It's oh the God. it's the new audible dong. We're gonna get a humping bloody stumps emote in the chat. <laughs> I don't even know what that means now that I said it. I'm not it. really <laughs> sure either, but <laughs> like it's right. stuff comes out of my mouth sometimes and I feel like Stugatz. Like I just I, I've said the wrong thing. Uh, download the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Music is by I am Brian Shepard. Go and check him out. He gave us Victory Monday. Uh, maybe one of these days we'll actually play more Victory Monday. Maybe one of these days Africa will come back. I still love that the Lions killed off the song of the game because of Africa. We could that will always have Africa. We'll always have Africa, and we'll we'll always have this bloody stump we're humping. <laughs> Pride of Detroit. We'll always have this bloody stump. <laughs> we'll hang around and talk with Twitch chat a little bit here. And then sign off for the night. I know Jeremy's pretty busy with stuff, and I want to watch more of this uh, Ravens <coughs> game because this is kind of insane what's going on right now. Thank you all. And as I say it every week, see you, Starside. Side. <laughs>